And now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. Fact-based. We're fact-based. Got to clean up some business. Okay. First right out of the shoot. Right, right out of the shoot. Ready. Ready. John mentioned that uh, a bald eagle dropped in on the 9-11 ceremony up, uh, what, Blaine Way? Andover. Andover. Coon Rapids over Coon Highway. Rapids. Over Highway 10. And, of course, yes. that did make the local press, Yeah, the picture of the eagle. National press. Yeah. Somebody captured it. That's we nice. We fall for the eagle shot, don't we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. every time. Well, it was cool. Oh, it's great. But they're as common as squirrels now. They, they, you know. Oh, you no, can't. That's, that's, that's 9-11. I can get you an eagle. I can get you an eagle by 3 o'clock. But landing on. No, oh. I, I'm not d- diminishing that. Okay. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. Uh-huh. In fact, I would even go so far as to say it was symbolic. You, you don't like America, you can get out. <laughs> but I'm just saying, I'm just saying, uh, I'm no longer surprised, let's put it that way, when I see an eagle. Right. I guess I should be surprised that an eagle had the intelligence to show up at a 9-11 memorial. Well, but, but that's not factual. You're not, I mean, we didn't do something that was not factual. You said, you know, just, you opened by saying. You know, I, I shouldn't have opened with that. Yeah. 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 So what are we, fa- fact-based. Oh, <laughs> right. Fact-based. Fact-based. Oh, something happened up in Coon Rapids. No, way. fact-based. We got the church wrong yesterday, the church that survived the terror in New York and then became the headquarters for relief of workers and rescuers. Uh, I think we listed about seven yeah, churches. Yeah, I was going to say. How could well, we the chief, off, chief offsite correspondent, Kelsey, notes, Kenny was wrong. Tell him to stick to making fun of old drivers and fat chicks. <laughs> the original St. Nicholas Greek Orthodox Church was destroyed on 9-11, and the construction of a new church on that site began in 2015. The church next to the World Trade Center location that survived is St. Paul's Chapel, which has stood on that spot since 1766 and was protected by a giant sycamore tree that was destroyed. And uh, here I have the story of a giant ancient sycamore tree that stood between the small St. Paul's Chapel of 1766 and the World Trade Center. This is all coming back to me now. Mm. The brunt of the force released by the collapsing Twin Towers caused the 100-year-old tree to fall. The tree fell in such a way that its spreading branches created a shield which absorbed shockwaves from the seeming nuclear impact and preserved the historic 18th century St. Paul's Chapel of Trinity Church and its ancient tombstones from falling debris, including a direct hit from an I-beam in what should have been certain destruction. The stump is all that remains of the uh, sycamore. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? The stump remains. Have they done anything with it? Or, I mean, like you made a like a tribute of some sort or just left it alone? Uh, in 2005, renowned sculptor Steve Tobin worked with tree experts to preserve the original sycamore stump that you see here at St. Paul's. I'm looking at a... Uh, I'm looking at a picture of it, and now that I now that I'm recalling this, I, I remember seeing this stump upon my mm. upon my visit there. Isaiah nine, chapter ten: The bricks are falling down, but we will build with hewn stones. The sycamores are cut down, but we will change them into cedars. Mm. Okay. So it's St. Paul's. It wasn't Very prophetic. Uh, Kenny was well, wrong. Wait a minute. 
We we did say St. Paul. Yeah, but then we backed off St. Paul, and, it, and uh, we allowed yeah. Kenny to get away with telling us it was St. Nicholas. Yeah, oh. let's serve him up since he's not here. Yeah, he we allowed that. Kenny to. <laughs> sure. He's working a double shift at the Krabby Coffee Shop in downtown Garage Logic. Got six day weekends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm gonna be. I'm really gonna get sick of hearing that. The uh, another uh, matter of business. We all have new email addresses. Mm-hmm. They're very simple. Yeah. I'm GL Joe I'm at garagelogic.com. Garage Logic is one word. GL Joe at garagelogic.com. Now, in turn, staff, people, give your email addresses. My guess is uh, it's going to be. I don't want to guess. At garagelogic.com. There you mm-hmm. go. And mine is J Height, H E I D T, at garagelogic.com. And I'll just be C Reavers at garagelogic.com. The other way to get a hold of us, too, by the way, we fixed this yesterday. Uh, when you go to the show page, garagelogic.com, when you click contact us, the emails now come to us. And they're actually, the way they're laid out is very cool um, with their with listener comments and stuff. And by the way, we got a ton of feedback yesterday. Holy cow. A lot of complaints? No, oh, not, not people, at all. I think no. people were relieved <laughs> yes. that we had come to our senses. <laughs> yeah, they were. Uh, well, it sounded more like uh, what we are used to in the past. I love yesterday. how everybody keeps referring to the first podcast as practice. It was. It was. <laughs> that was our horrible. preseason. Our Just a, a preseason, preseason game. Are we, on now? we didn't play any of the regular. No, it was, it was really. You're in there for about two minutes. Well, the I, best was in the in the post production. I'm going through it. And that very beginning where we're all really confused, and you were like, okay, you got to get that out of there. And everybody said, no, keep it in there. Today, virtually every news outlet in this neck of the woods spilled the beans on it's time to go leaf peeping. It's Uh time to go look at the colors. Got to get up there. What have I told you for (laughs) 25 years? You don't need to go anywhere. This Let nature come to you. Come to you. And nature, all you got to do at some point, not in the Twin Cities yet, we're not at peak. Right. All you got to do is look out your window, and there they are. But we've turned this into uh, almost uh, uh, Minnesota folklore, haven't we? Uh, It's it's, – it's in the file. It's in the file for the newspapers. That you know what? It's middle of September. Uh, grab the pile of uh, we got, places to go. Yeah, well, Minnesota has some uh, peculiar customs. You, you got the Winter Carnival. Mm-hmm. You got the State Fair. Mm-hmm. You got the fishing opener. Mm-hmm. You've got ice fishing. You've got the Twin Cities Marathon, uh, and you've got going off in search of changing leaves. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's, a, it's a, just a Minnesota thing. Or is this done all over the country? I would imagine it's done all over the country because it's good for tourism in places like Vermont, so, New Hampshire, Maine, Massachusetts. I suppose it's good for tourism anywhere. It's, I wouldn't say all over yeah, the I country. Wouldn't. North Dakota, but then again, there's not many trees. Not many I don't trees. know. I don't know anybody in North Dakota that goes and looks for leaves changing colors. Well, I'd have there to aren't say, any trees. Exactly. Yeah. I'd have to say maybe out east in that area you're talking about and maybe in the Midwest. Yeah. But California, they got pine trees or uh, palm trees. We have to talk about out east today. If that uh, storm prediction is accurate, uh, I I've been to that that coast in North and South Carolina many times. Yeah, beautiful. And if that storm prediction is accurate, I can't imagine that coastline will be recognizable. I I, I am imagining that it will be destroyed, that it will be wiped off the map. Walk me through. Um the 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 sea you know the uh, the boardwalk what kind of 
buildings are there? Are they ancient or has there been well, a Well, let's just take, uh, well, first of all, start with this realization that you're talking about extremely low country. It's called okay. low country. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, the ocean doesn't wash in and then you're way up above it, like on the English Channel, for yeah, example. Yeah. No, you're right there at sea level. Mm-hmm. And uh, Wilmington, North Carolina, uh, I can see that getting wiped out. Kiowa Golf uh, course where I play it. I can see that disappearing. Charleston, uh, South Carolina, gorgeous old town. Uh, and they've endured much uh, earthquakes and mm-hmm. and uh, previous hurricanes. Remember Hazel in 1954? But the, the way this is being, you know, maybe the truth is somewhere between what CNN says and what the weather forecast is. Hmm. Uh, I'm not making, I'm not, I would never suggest this isn't a serious storm. I would leave if I was there. I would leave. And I would think if you don't leave. Well, yeah, the warnings are. If you don't leave, again, if this forecast is accurate, if you don't leave, you'll die. Doesn't it seem it'd like you'll die? Be enough for me. 80-foot waves forecast? No. I couldn't get uh, far enough inland. You know, the, the thought occurred to me this morning watching the news coverage. The way that those homes on the coast are constructed, constructed you know they're elevated off the ground to prevent flooding you, you'll see it you know in like for instance in galveston this the same type of home construction on the coastline mm-hmm. or whatever but what i what i always thought is how can that possibly withstand wind of that speed won't they just topple over because there's no foundation whatsoever yeah that's that's a significant problem but uh, i think what they're now fearing just as much as five feet of rain but we're okay. So there's a million plus people that are going to evacuate. Where are they going to go? Well, all freeways have been turned in one direction. They've got to go inland. You, you got to go and got to you got to go to a Motel Six. You got to find a relative. About you, five hours in, you got to get the hell out of there. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing too. How far do you go in? Well, you 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 go far enough in to avoid the uh, the flooding. Uh, warmer than normal sea temperatures adds energy and rain. Check. A wind pattern that allows a storm to get strong and stay strong? Check. Higher sea levels to make a storm surge worse? Check. A storm covering an enormous area to drench and lash more people? Check. And an unusual combination of other weather systems that are likely to stall Florence when it hits the Carolinas, allowing it to sit for days and dump huge amounts of rain. The longer it stays, the more wind, the more rain. That means the more trees that could fall, the more power outages, National Hurricane Center Director Ken Graham said. This one scares me, Graham said. It's one of those situations where you're going to get heavy rain, catastrophic, life-threatening storm surge, and also the winds. The National Hurricane Center, uh, Tuesday afternoon, increased its rainfall forecast to 15 to 25 inches of rain and 35 inches in isolated spots. But a computer simulation known as the European model predicts some places could get 45 inches. It's the same model that accurately predicted last year's Hurricane Harvey, which also stalled over land, but that dropped uh, 60 inches. I'm getting this from uh, Channel uh, Channel 5 weather. It does look a bit similar to Harvey in a sense that it goes roaring into shore and then comes to a screeching stop, said MIT meteorology professor and hurricane expert Kerry Emanuel. Florence is unusual in that it is aiming at the Carolinas from the east. Usually storms come to the Carolinas and mid-Atlantic from the south, and those usually curve safely out to sea. But a high-pressure ridge is parked over the east U.S. coast, preventing Florence from doing the normal turn, and that's according to University of Miami hurricane expert Brian McNoldy. 
Florence's path remains uncertain. It may move a little north into Virginia or a little south into South Carolina. As an aside, I frequently go on a uh, a website called uh, Woody Boater. Boy, I couldn't wait to hear. I was was on the edge of my seat. What website is he going to say? Guy's in Reedville, Virginia. And he's he's been posting pictures. And already his his dock is underwater. And he's he's got to get his vessels out of the out of the out of the water or they're gonna just disappear. Joey, what you doing in there? I got my woody boater out. On his that website? Uh, that one's blocked, I think, at some point. Yeah, does he it? have a No, it's 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 does about he have one of those boats. t-shirts that says Woody Boater, you know, with an arrow? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Look it up. For it's, sale. Look no, it up. I'll see if I can get through the filter. filter. Yeah, Hubbard's right. filter. Whoops, guess <laughs> not. For God's sake. Woody Boater. He was. Carefully. Uh, you know, another question I have about the hurricane. Okay. Yep. Why? What do you got, Woody? Well, if you want to see. Uh, Whoa, nice boat on there. Hey. Well, I'm not kidding. See it? Okay. I'll, yeah, I'll give you really that. Nice. Yeah. What's the site called? Woody Boater? WoodyBoater.com. Yeah. Woody Boater? I don't know. What's the most important thing about a boat? Uh, boat safety. Yeah. What's the most important thing? No, wait. Staying with staying the boat. Staying on the boat. Staying on the boat. Uh, what I want to know is why do you all have uh, satellite apps on your phones? Sure. Sure. Yep. Why won't it pick this hurricane up? My satellite doesn't pick up the hurricane. I haven't even looked. I look every time there's a hurricane. Why, why, doesn't, the, uh, why doesn't the app pick that up? All right. I'm not sure. I have more. Uh, it'll, it might surprise you to see who we're going to blame this hurricane on. The uh, Washington Post has declared that Trump is complicit for this dangerous storm. I knew this was coming. I didn't know how bold the news-gathering institutions would become. The editorial board of the Washington Post has declared that President Trump is complicit because of his views on climate change, which presupposes that if Trump had a different view of climate change, this wouldn't have happened? <laughs> right. It's Who cares what his view is? Who was the guy we played, uh, the reporter we played, who said uh, uh, these, w- these storms won't happen if we sign the... Remember that one? Yep. These storms won't happen. This is unbelievable. Uh, the storm has not made landfall yet, but the Post published a column today called Another Hurricane is About to Batter Our Coast. Trump is complicit. When it comes to extreme weather, Mr. Trump is complicit. He plays down humans' role in increasing the risks, and he continues to dismantle efforts to address those risks. It's hard to attribute any single weather event to climate change, but there is no reasonable doubt that humans are priming the Earth's systems to produce disasters. Well, let's stop right there. Wait wait a minute. Wasn't it John Kerry, not a reporter? No, no it, it was an MSNBC reporter by the name of Ron Allen. That's ah, it. Okay. That's it. Uh And this is what this whole climate agreement, uh, signed by 190 nations and now ratified by about 60 or so, is designed to stop. (laughs) Who's the only guy I'll listen to? 
Uh, Paco. Um, Pedro Luca. Pedro Luca. Guy that lives in a cave. I've never used any power. This is what John Kerry said. You know, we had eight storms uh, last year, which cost America well more than eight, eight than a billion dollars per storm. It's far cheaper to recognize what's coming and cure the problem ahead of time. Throw some money at it. <laughs> it's just. It's just. That's that's worse than Allen. Uh, it's it's truly amazing. Uh, one of the things you have to keep in mind is that the hypocrites who write this kind of material, uh, presumably they, they drove to the Washington Post. Uh, they're probably going to have a cocktail party on the Hamptons this weekend or somewhere, maybe the Maryland Eastern Shore. Uh, they probably have air conditioning in their homes. They probably have electrical appliances. They probably have uh, heat they probably have uh, running water. They, they, they're, they're no different than any other American. Why have they uh, anointed themselves to the point of this is the kind of absurdity that will be taken note of in this country? Mm-hmm. Now, there's plenty of reasons to there's plenty of stuff to blame Trump for. But this isn't this storm is not Trump's fault. And, the, and it, they're so sophomoric that they believe if he had different views of climate change, so much would have been accomplished in the 17, 18 months that he's been president that Hurricane Florence would not exist. They're, what do they believe? They believe they are bigger than nature. These people are fools. And this is maybe one of the most foolish editorials from a once wonderful, proud, great newspaper. I've, not even the New York Times, I don't think, has blamed Trump. This is unbelievable. Remember uh, in, when Katrina hit New Orleans? Yes. ABC had, a, I believe it was ABC, had a reporter interviewing uh, people at the, I believe many uh, victims ended up at the Astrodome in Houston for shelter. Mm-hmm. And this reporter was baiting a group of women. Do you remember that? I remember specifically. We tried to find it, but that's 13 years ago. We can't yeah, find it. Yeah, we don't it. have that. Uh, he was baiting these women, suggesting that uh, he was trying to get them to say that somehow Trump, or, I'm sorry, Bush was complicit in the creation of Katrina. And these were, I think these were, were some black women. And they said, hey, his fault. Right. What'd he do? He couldn't do it. He Not his it. fault. And, and it just shut down the reporter. After he tried to prod uh, them even a little more, and they said, no, we're not, they can't blame him. Uh, the, uh, the editorial concluded, the president has cemented the GOP's legacy as one of reaction and reality denial. Sadly, few in his party appear to care. What is there to care about? Did the Washington Post blame Eisenhower when Hazel hit the same part of the country in 1954? I bet not. They tried to blame Bush for Katrina. The news gatherers did. That didn't work. It wasn't his fault. And now the uh, Washington Post is blaming Trump. Uh, conservative strategist Chris Barron said, this column is so absurd it should be coming from the onion. To the extent that climate change is happening, it is a global phenomenon that has been occurring for decades and decades. The media won't give Trump credit for the economy, but they'll blame him for a hurricane. You can't make this stuff up. It's just absolutely amazing. It, and, and, and again... I'm not suggesting I don't think Florence will be significant. It sounds horrible. It sounds horrible to the point where you better get out of there or you might die. But again, the truth is going to be somewhere between CNN's reporting and the actual reality of the event. 
and I'm I'm rooting for uh, I'm rooting for it not to go to the CNN end of the spectrum because uh, it's the CNN end of the spectrum that suggests if you don't leave you'll die. But if the forecast is accurate, that's good advice. Leave. Well, why would they be so foolish? Why don't they just recognize that you know uh, this is nature and. There, we don't really have anybody to blame. You can't blame anybody for nature. No, no. But the people who believe they're bigger than nature believe they can control it. What would these editorialists at the Washington Post, what are they doing in their own lives? That's what always amazes me about the true believers. Have any of them changed their lifestyles? I bet not. I bet they drove to or it took some type of uh, combustion engine to uh, work. Here in... Uh, in CNN, we got a piece by Jill Filipovic, who is called a journalist based in New York in Nairobi, Kenya, and the author author of the book The H-Spot, The Feminist Pursuit of Happiness. Uh, and she is suggesting that uh, Florence is the result of uh, capitalistic and corporate greed and uh, that climate change is the result of, of corporate greed. How do you think she gets to Nairobi, Kenya, and back to New York? Does she row a boat? Uh, she's not swimming You think she walking. flies? That'd be my guess. You think she has electricity in her apartment? You think she's ever hailed a cab? Oh, especially if she's in New York. What are these everywhere. hypocrites doing in their own lives? It's simple to sit down and write these types of columns because they're meaningless. And nobody takes you to task. It's stream of consciousness. It's absolutely meaningless. I've never heard of her before. Companies that are leading polluters have long benefited from American corporate welfare. And now regular Americans are paying the price. America has done more uh, to clean up pollution than anywhere else in the world. What is it like in Nairobi, Kenya, for God's sakes? Yeah, I think you might want to boil the water before you teased it. Uh, the result is that the necessary and terrifying overdue efforts to combat climate change at the source are simply not being made in the United States. What do you what do you want us to do, uh, Jill? What are you doing? I knew this had happened. I didn't I didn't know it would precede the actual uh, landfall of the hurricane. That we're now blaming Trump and blaming capitalism and blaming America and blaming corporations, when the truth of the matter is, uh, the Earth has experienced hurricanes since the Earth warmed about what ten thousand years ago. Right. And the only difference between Florence in 2018 and Hazel in 1954 is that millions and millions more people now live in harm's way. Trump didn't do it. It's not, I, I'm, I'm a guy who can find many reasons to blame Trump for stuff. <laughs> Let's not do that right now. <laughs> Hang on. Hold but I'm not blaming bit. Trump for this hurricane. It's no. not his fault. And it's not, it's not 3M's fault or uh, IBM's fault or uh, Boeing's fault or John Deere's fault. We have the most socially conscious capitalistic system in the entire world. Once you stop driving and giving up all your stuff, Jill or Washington Post editorials, call me. Call me and we'll, we'll chat. Advancing Garage Logic segment number three. With John Height in the Garage Logic Podcast Newsroom. 
Thank you, Joe. A couple quick sports notes. Uh, I saw two grand slams last night in the ballgame. The Twins hit one. The Yankees hit one. Joe Maurer supplied the Twins' granny. Uh, also got a curtain call. The Twins you called had, it a granny? A granny, yeah. Oh, okay. Twins <laughs> ended up winning. Uh, 10 to 5 in that one. Uh, the Saints did lose the opener of the American Association Championship Series last night, but congrats to Derek Scherer. He's the Saints Executive Vice President and GM. He was named American Association Executive of the Year for the fourth straight year. Wow, nice. News notes as you were talking about, Joe, about a quarter million people along the North Carolina coast making their way inland today as authorities are ordering people to get uh, people in the Outer Banks to pack up. Get out as Hurricane Florence nears. The barrier islands are vulnerable to the potentially deadly storm surge that could reach up to 13 feet. As much as 35 inches of rain could cause some dangerous flooding. Last storm to head toward the Outer Banks on a similar path was Hurricane Isabel in 2003. Emergency officials being explicitly clear, staying behind and riding this out could be a deadly mistake. North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper issued what he called a first-of-its-kind mandatory evacuation order for the Barrier Islands. Normally, local governments make the call on evacuations, but Governor Cooper says he does not want to take any chances warning of waves and wind like nothing uh, they've seen in this lifetime. Okay, I have a, uh, a question. Here we if are. If all of these people evacuate... Yeah. Who's, who's going to be left to do the looting? Right, who's going to be... I mean, how do they protect that? I don't know. I, mean, uh, I don't know, you know why you'd at want that to stay. Point, at that point, that might be the least of your problems. Just Probably. get your kids out of there. Yeah. Uh, today, those living and working in St. Paul will have their first chance to weigh in on the city's proposed minimum wage hike. The hike something city and community leaders have talked about for years in which Mayor Melvin Carter has made a priority. In the past, the mayor says he's committed to raising the minimum wage to 15 bucks an hour before the end of the year. Nonprofit organization Citizens League has developed three recommendations for how the city can raise the minimum wage. The city of St. Paul is the last place that can afford to lose any business right now. Uh, some business owners said it would take time and resources to implement the change. Uh, one of those is Sarah Remke, owner of Black Dog Cafe in St. Paul. She said to get good surveys, they want to make tips, and they're making pretty good money, what I would consider good money anyway, what they would consider good money. So to pay them 15 bucks an hour, we would need to change our entire structure. Jeez. Carter says he's so pleased. Uh, so far, he is so far pleased with the progress of the study, which the city commissioned. Uh, tonight, the city will have the opportunity to review and talk about the study before a public hearing. That begins at 5 o'clock at City Hall. Uh, well, boy, I got the bald eagle story, but you kind of put a damper on well, it. Well, it's a Joe. nice story, John. I, I didn't mean to step <laughs> on it earlier. We talked about it a little uh, yesterday. A bald eagle landed on an Andover Fire Department's aerial truck during the department's 9-11 memorial yesterday. The department's captain, Fire Chief Jerry Strike, filmed the eagle's landing while the department was conducting a 9-11 tribute display. Put it on Facebook, uh, more than 1,900,000 views and over 95,000 shares in just a few hours. I was worried I'd get home and find out somehow that it was staged. But no, apparently a prop not. eagle. I mean, like John from what, the uh, some falconer came well, in. Yeah, John like train, from the yeah, birds and prey guy. had a little. Uh, you piece know, if of that meat. had happened elsewhere in the country, we we would have heard about it. So maybe it only happened here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that apparently this has gone national also. Did so. it go viral? Yes, yes, it did. A post office in central Minnesota has been closed, now set to reopen. It was shut down due to health and safety concerns because they had bacterial growth from water damage. Uh, this is in Bolus. Do you guys know where Bolus is? No. no. Well, don't you know who was from Bolus? I don't. The Fighting Ledoux Brothers. Really? 
I did not know oh, that. Oh, no, I, I got that wrong. I'm thinking oh. of Scott Liddell. Oh, okay. Bobbick, the fighting Bobbick. Bobbicks. The Bobbicks. Okay, Dwayne Bobbick. Yeah. yeah. Uh, U.S. Postal Service says the Bolas Post Office will resume. Oh, that was John Bobbitt. Oh. He was no relation. <laughs> Famous for a very no, different reason. That yes. was Bobbitt. The guy that lost his unit was John Bobbitt, I yeah. think. Yeah. Didn't Bobbitt. he become an adult film Who's actor? Who was he? Briefly. Yeah. The fighter was Bobbick. Bobbick. Ah. Dwayne Bobbick, and yep. I can't remember his brother's name. can't either. Just Dwayne. Uh, it was closed earlier this month. Well, that to, conversation went a real different path, to didn't reopen it? Yep. Today, the building has shown damage to the walls, ceiling, building materials, and floor is coverings. It, isn't uh, didn't Dwayne Bobbick lose to Ken Norton in my Ken Norton story? I think yeah, I think you're right. You're right. I think you're right. In yeah. the first round, you hit him in the Adam's apple. And walking along, walking out of Madison Square Garden alongside Ken Norton, I said, "Boy, what a fight!" And he picked me up by my neck. And he said, who are you calling boy? Right. And I said, no, I meant holy cow, or, wow, what a fight. Years later, he's in town. He's going to fight Scott Ledoux. I walk up to him. He looked at me. He said, don't you call me boy. <laughs> he was a hell of a guy. That's funny. That shows engagement there. It shows he, that shows he did not have many serious concussions as a fighter. Right, right. You now, when you were picked up by your neck by Ken Norton, yeah, my neck so stretched out. All 37 pounds of them? Yeah. Right. Yeah. How fearful of your life were you at that point? As fearful as if I lived on the Outer Banks right now in <laughs> North Carolina. Because you knew he still had a lot of energy left over. Well, he wasn't worn out. The water. fight lasted about 40 seconds. <laughs> During an extra enforcement DWI campaign, law enforcement officers made more than 1,300 DWI arrests in Minnesota. And according to the Minnesota Department of Public Safety, this is the one that happened uh, up to Labor Day, remember? Mm. Uh, the extra enforcement campaign took place between August 17th and September 2nd. A total of 1,369 drivers arrested compared to the 1,370 arrested during 2016 campaign. So one less. DPS said one woman in Alexandria was arrested after driving drunk to the dentist's office with her three-year-old child. Oh, my God. She had a blood alcohol concentration of 0.23. Mama's got to get her teeth fixed. And two teammate, two roommates, excuse me, in Mankato were also arrested for DWI after authorities found them racing each other at 60 miles an hour in a 30-mile-per-hour zone, both drunk. Who won? <laughs> we don't know. Neither. Right. Yeah, they both lost. Uh, First Avenue's operators say they are buying the Minneapolis Fine Line Music Cafe. What? Yeah, they're only four blocks apart, of course, in the warehouse district. The Fine Line will officially change hands October 1st. Isn't this kind of like the Yankees buying the Red Sox, well, John? It's, apparently, they've been uh, doing a lot with them already. Oh. Uh, apparently, uh, it opened in 1987. Not apparently. It did open in 1987. Apparently. The warehouse district uh, was just taking flight at that point. The fine line was a live music hub, but dwindled in stature over the past 10 years or so. First Avenue staff members were brought in earlier to help book concerts in recent years. And in many ways, the bigger club has already helped keep the lights on in the smaller room. Fine Line holds 800 people, and that falls right between St. Paul's 350-capacity turf club, which First Avenue also bought back in 2013, and the First Avenue main room, which holds about 1,500 people. Having the Fine Line in its mix of venues puts First Avenue directly against the Varsity Theater run by national competitor Live Nation. The Fine Line is a great spot, but 800 people is a little... Uh... A little cozy, if you know what I mean. I, uh, I I used to go to shows there, but it's been 10 years of it. But I went to seven or eight, yeah. just like that. Boom, boom, boom. I've never been in First Avenue. What? What? Never. It's on a, we had just talked really? to my wife about this. It's on the bucket list. I've never. We've never went down there to see a show. Huh. 
How is that possible? I was there frequently years ago. Really? Lately. Who's seeing who? I saw Joel Cocker there. I saw Spirit. I saw a lot of the early groups. Luke Bryan. It wasn't First Ave then, though, right? Was it a different I think it was called The Depot. Depot. Mm. Well, that's the bar now that's directly next to it Mm -hmm. is called The Depot. Uh, Seventh Street Entry, I was at recently. That's not good when you suffer from a little claustrophobia. No. Yeah, John, you are a little claustrophobic. Not a good club to be at when that happens. A Chinese man has had a tapeworm extracted from his brain. No, no. And surgeons say— They do that drop of water thing where it just— Surgeons say it was still swimming. The man identified only as Liu had suffered a series of epileptic seizures in recent months, but his own doctor couldn't find any explanation. The 26-year-old taken to a hospital in Nanchang, the capital of Zhengji province— where blood tests showed the presence of Spirometra mansoni. That's a kind of tapeworm. Dr. Wang Chun-Liang, who led Mr. Liu's treatment, told the South China Morning Post the worm was still alive when we took it out. It was springy, white all over, and could swim. Mm -hmm. Did they have to cut open his head? Do we know how they got it out? Uh, I would assume. That's a good question, but uh, not answered in this story. But I would guess yes. Those things are really (laughs) ugly. No, they were screaming into his ear. Come here, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they think he got it from uncooked food, uh, probably grilled food, because apparently that was Mr. Liu's favorite food. Well, wouldn't it grilled food be cooked? Uh, partially, at least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You could make it kind of rare. Yeah, I'm being a little uh, tough on this story. Yeah, yeah you really are. are. Yeah, yeah, I don't understand. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Liu's fine, by the way. So uh, They don't say how they got it out, though, huh? I did not, could I not find you, that in the story. When you, you you dehydrate someone and then you put like a drop of water on their mouth uh-huh. and the tapeworm goes to the um, really? to the water to try to get out. What are you talking about? What the hell are you talking I, about? Yeah, that's how you get rid of. Is that like how a, you get of a ta- get rid of a tapeworm in your brain? I, I that's that's what I've heard. I'm I'm not even joking. That's <laughs> my neighbor told out. me. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Just, that's what I heard. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, after complaining that entertainers are penalized too heavily for making mistakes these days, uh, Norm MacDonald has had an upcoming appearance on The Tonight Show canceled over some controversial comments on the Me Too movement. Uh, the announcement came in the wake of an interview with the comedian published in The Hollywood Reporter. It received from ba- some backlash for comments concerning the Me Too movement for seeming to diminish the suffering of Louis C.K.'s victims. Uh, he did apologize for comments, tweeting, Roseanne and Louis C.K. have both been very good friends of mine for many years. They both made terrible mistakes. I would never defend their actions. If my words sounded like I was minimizing the pain that the victims feel to this day, I am deeply sorry. A Tonight Show canceled his appearance shortly after that. I have an idea. I know weather's not a crucial part of the podcast because there's people listening all over the world. They don't really care. It's a nice day here. Yeah. But I'd like to ask, if if Dahl's available, could you get him on the phone in the next— See what I can do. Because I want to ask him, I want to know why that hurricane doesn't show up on people's— uh, Radar on their phone. It's the end of the world as we know it. And he feels fine. Joe Suchere. What are you morons giggling about? Oh, my gosh. I What? Well, we can't. We can't play this, can we? I think we could. It doesn't. Really? Well, so you have to explain. Yesterday, I, I was here going through stuff to uh, to put together for the podcast. You know, in future podcasts in which some or any of us are going to be absent, just to try to collect sort of a file of things that we can use. Archives. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
And I stumbled upon oh a piece of audio that Rookie and I had literally been looking for for years. Yeah. And do you remember years ago? We, we, you, not you, that long ago. Was it? If you're talking about what I think you're talking so about. So a couple of years ago, you were doing, you were attempting to do ads for that great school, the guys that are GLers. Um, American it's Institute for Non-Destructive Testing. And right. you could not put the words together. I couldn't get my arms around what it was I was supposed to be talking about. Right. Yeah. So Which we, is what is the b- true beauty of you as a person. But hats off to those fellows. They ran a school where you could go and learn to... Uh, what now? Like to, to See, I'll tr- get confused again. Basically, to, they would test, test the strength of, they were of metal and whatnot. The it was really cool. And, yeah. and yeah. you could go there and get certified and become a field representative and right. do that. Exactly. And I really, really was having a trouble oh grasping God. it. And so, kind of like uh, Sid, a la, go all the way back, Larry. Don't be saving all that crap. <laughs> yeah. uh, we, of course, saved it. And well, here, let's hear it then. What the hell? Brash and aggressive, but still willing to laugh at ourselves when it's necessary. 1500 ESPN. <laughs> There's your first. What are you giggling about over there? This is the greatest thing I've ever heard of. It's yeah. called the American Institute of Non-Destructive Testing. You're wondering, what does that mean? I wondered the same thing, too. It's a school based in Baxter, up near Brainerd. They have tremendous placement rate success. They, uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's a school? It's an online account. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's four months of online training. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it's we a good deal because you don't in that, oh, I would have Listen, trouble with this. I know, but you don't go to trainingndt.com. Trainingndt.com. Let me cut to the chase. Right Learn there. how to use radiography, ultrasonic, magnetic particle inspection <laughs> methods, among others, to ensure the safety and quality and integrity of America's aging infrastructure, including aircraft, bridges, refineries, and pipelines. And you're not going to be saddled with extraordinary college debt. Go online to trainingndt.com and introduce yourself to the American Institute of Non-Destructive Testing. In all seriousness, this... uh, Big finish. You had a a quality finish. You finished strong. Oh, God. But that first one was... Nice read, Fred. Yeah. Rookie gives you the cue and you started to... (laughs) Cue the guy. So you're available for live reads during this podcast, apparently. (laughs) Okay. You promised much better results. Uh, You know who Mike Rowe is? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Dirty jobs. jobs, He's a GLer. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is he an opera singer? I have it in my mind that he's an opera singer. I've never heard that. Well, he has. He had a great idea. Uh, Oh, I I did see this. Yes. uh, He weighed in on the controversy over Nike's new ad campaign with Colin Kaepernick, Uh, and he uh, he said. Roll was responding to a question from a follower on the popular social media platform. What? Facebook. The post was called, We're Going to Do Something. You've been very quiet about the Kaepernick PR disaster at Nike, noted the commenter. Any thoughts? He was referring to the controversial ad campaign with the former NFL quarterback who began the kneeling protest during the performance of the national anthem. Nike's free to celebrate whomever they wish, Rose said, and Kaepernick is entitled to his opinion, kneeling, standing, or lying down. But if I was going to put someone's face on a billboard, someone who epitomized bravery and sacrifice, I might have gone another way, especially this time of year. I might have gone with this guy, Tom Burnett. Tom Burnett was the Bloomington native who helped bring down United Flight 93, and we mentioned Burnett yesterday. Yes. 
Tom's last act on earth was one of the most courageous things imaginable, Rose said, and his last words to his wife, Dina, are among the most inspiring I've ever heard. Those exact words are at the top of this page in the bottom. They were spoken 17 years ago, he added, under conditions I hope to never experience. I'll never forget Tom's last words. I hope you won't either. In the last call, Burnett tells his wife the passengers plan to stop the hijackers from using the plan to kill more Americans. She said to him, no, stay in your seat, sit still, don't draw attention to yourself. And he said, I love you. No, we have to do something. Don't worry. We'll be okay. And so uh, you've heard the joke going around, haven't you? Uh, not, quick not, segment? Not, not regarding. Oh, okay. Good. Uh, Burnett. Uh, Mike Rowe is a, uh, he Rowe sang professionally with the Baltimore Opera. Uh, so that is confirmed. How, how is my mind so gifted? <laughs> I don't it know. Really, it's amazing. That's, yeah, that's a weird fact. And you can't write threes. Because without... I don't really follow Mike Rowe or know much about him. I've seen his television commercials. Uh, he seems like a hail fellow well met. I don't know why I would know he's an opera singer. Why would you know that? I don't know. But you know what's going around now. What? Uh, Kevin Sorbo, for example. Uh, apparently there's a Nike boycott movement. Yes. I have no horse in the race either way. Yes, people are either really pro or really against. Uh, I, I'm not... I can't get terribly worked up about it. But Sorbo returned his Nikes. You're supposed to say, why did he return? Why did he do that? Because he he said they they make his feet hurt when he stands for the anthem. (laughs) But But that joke's been going around now for about a week. Yeah, I got to take my Nikes back. Why? Well, they make my feet hurt when I stand up for the anthem. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, By the way, last night at the Twins game, a mm-hmm. very nice moving tribute oh, to Tom yeah. Burnett before, oh, really? before the ball game and his mom threw out uh, the first pitch. Because you were there last night. I was there last night. Uh, they did a nice tribute on the video screen explaining the whole story. And all members of his family, there were probably a dozen at least, uh, were out on the field for mm-hmm. that. And then mom threw out the first pitch. That's so. cool. Boy, Ro cool. nailed it, uh, particularly at this time of year. Uh, Tom Burnett would have been a really great choice for that ad, right? Yeah. Uh, more so than... Uh, and there's so many going around now. Are they called memes? What's a meme? A meme is a... A meme, uh, a meme It's a little online uh, quick video. Right. Uh, there's one with uh, Caitlyn Jenner. That, uh, <laughs> or I, photo, I'm sorry. Not a, not yeah, a there's a photo of Caitlyn Jenner as though she's the Nike representative. Uh-huh. And I can't say what the no, ca- you can't. I can't say what the <laughs> no. caption is, but it was something about then you can play the forward tease. Yeah, you know, the ladies. Tease. I think yeah. I get it. I think I. There, there are hundreds of those. Yeah. I saw one with the big Lebowski the other day. Yeah, just do it or don't. Yeah, with a lot of f words. I don't care. Bleep it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have two rays of hope and a million dollar idea to get to today. You've got more to get to. Two rays of hope and a million dollar idea. Okay. And and uh, I don't know, you know, I don't normally spend a lot of time uh, following the world of, of modeling. Yes. Uh, I'd like to get to that too. Well, we got a lot to get to. We got a lot to get to. Why don't we do this? Why don't we uh, take a little break here and let's uh, let's close out this hour. I mean, I'm following the world of modeling here. I know you are. Yeah. Let's do that. I don't the- normally do that. We'll come back with a uh, a little more Garage Logic. All right. Via the podcast. Go to garagelogic.com. Subscribe on iTunes. Download. It will download every day. Don't forget to rate it. One through five. Hopefully everyone's a five, but check it out. And if you're an Android and you have a Samsung, you can get the Podcast One app and get the Garage Logic podcast. Don't forget to rate it.